You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 28. Today is my pleasure to share with you an interview with the lovely and talented Nicole Soto, formerly Nicole Arnold. She is the author behind the best-selling book, Worth It, which dives into many topics we ladies need to discuss, like social media highlight reels, self-perception, the truth about growth, and our worth in Jesus. In this episode, Nicole shares her heart concerning the writing process, especially working a full-time job. She talks about the truth behind inspiration while you're in the middle of creating and how we tend to rush the process for instant results. This episode is packed with so much wisdom from Nicole, and I know that you will be blessed. Before we jump into the conversation, this is NAYC week, and so I wanted you to know, if you are attending North American Youth Congress this year, there is a special meet and greet you are not going to want to miss. You'll be able to meet Nicole and buy her book Worth It on Friday, August 2nd from 3 to 5. It will be held in the Dainty Jewels showroom at Embassy Suites, 610 North 7th Street. Nicole will be there along with a few other talented friends of mine, Dainty Jewels CEO and designer Charity Walter, a great friend of the podcast and an alumni guest, Chelsea from Skin Balm Apothecary will also be there. You will also be able to meet brand ambassador for Dainty Jewels, Annabeth Walden, and of course, Nicole Soto herself. It'll just be an amazing time for you to actually get to meet the people that you've been seeing on social media in real life and just seeing their uh, hearts in person. And so I encourage you, if you are attending NAYC this year, please make some time on Friday to go to the meet and greet at the Dainty Jewel showroom at the Embassy Suites um, and also take advantage of meeting Nicole and buying her book Worth It, which we will be talking about on the podcast right now. I truly love this woman's heart, and I cannot wait for you to listen to all she has to say. So let's just do this thing, all right? Here is episode number 28 that I am calling Responding to the Call with Nicole Soto. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? Are you looking for affordable, trendy, modest clothing for your everyday life? Look no further than Danny Girl Boutique. Danny Girl Boutique strives to bring the latest designs into your hands without breaking the bank. To them, modesty is more than a fashion statement. It is a daily decision to dress like the child of God that you are. It really can be a struggle to find modest pieces. And so Danny Girl Boutique wants to help you by giving Hello Awesome podcast listeners 15% off your purchase that's good for a one-time use from now until August 15th. Just use code DANNY2019, that's D-A-N-I-2019, when you shop from their website at www.dannygirlboutique.com. That's www.dannygirlboutique.com. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at dannygirlboutique17. D-A-N-I-G-I-R-L 
B-O-U-T-I-Q-U-E-1-7, where they'll share the latest products, deals, and shopping events. Dressing modestly is not about hiding your body. It's how you handle it. When you support Danny Girl Boutique, you're not just supporting an apostolic small business. You are supporting a movement. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. Today, I am interviewing the beautiful and intelligent Nicole Soto, formerly Nicole Arnold, author of an amazing book called Worth It. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Can you please take a minute to share with us who you are, what you do, and where people might know you from? Hi, my name is Nicole, and um, I am a marketer by trade, and um, I work for an events company, and we plan events and market events. And you might know me um, as the author of Worth It. I published Worth It about two years ago. I love to cook. I love to write. I love to travel, super into that. And yeah, it's, it's been a great journey just authoring this book and kind of seeing, you know, where God has taken it. And it's, it's been a journey for sure. You know, I just finished Worth It a couple of months ago and I just had to keep going. Like as soon as I started reading, I could not stop. It was so just awesome and enlightening and just the way that you wrote a lot of different perspectives and principles. I really appreciated it. And I really couldn't stop taking notes. It honestly was really anointed and timely, especially for this generation, in my opinion. Um, How did the idea for Worth It begin? Well, first of all, I so appreciate all the kind words. That was very sweet. Um, The idea for Worth It was really something that had mentally been in motion for several years, um, probably since I was 18, I kind of had the idea. And I know that God, I talk about it a little bit in the book, but God gave me the title worth it. And I had literally no idea, you know, why it was supposed to be called that. I just kind of came up with it and um, didn't really understand, you know, all that the title would entail until years later. But, you know, they say that timing is everything and it truly was because worth it would have been an entirely different book had I not gone through, you know, a variety of life altering experiences prior to writing it. Mm-hmm. Initially, I think that the book was really lighthearted in content and it was just kind of something that was, um, I don't know, a little more, a little more fun, a little more whimsical, um, not nearly as kind of serious as I think that um, it became. But um, I think as time went on and my heart just broke from different things in in life, I realized I wanted a book that was really going to resonate with people. And to do that, I really needed to kind of put my heart and soul into it and and be raw with people and just be honest. Um, uh, I really wanted to write a book that addressed and discussed just different things that women go through, um, especially in their late teens and early 20s in that crucial transition period. I wanted to just write a book that you know, that I could have, could have read, um, in that period. And so worth it was born and actually had, um, half of a manuscript that I had finished. Um, and I completely threw it away and restarted after I, you know, went through some, some life experiences. And I'm just really thankful that I kind of trusted my gut on that and allowed God to kind of bring worth it into kind of, I'm sure a different genre than it would have been and just really change what, um, I had planned to what he had planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good, especially um, thanks for sharing that because I think it's easy for people to think, oh, yeah, they started the the book 
from point A and just, you know, it was just a casual walk to the end and it is not. And um, no. <laughs> I could definitely resonate with throwing out like half a manuscript or what you wrote before and just what you're going through in the moment just doesn't match that anymore. And I, um, right, exactly. And I actually did want to talk about the writing process a, a little bit before we go into some of the topics that you cover in the book. And I know how the writing process was for me and that it's different for every author. What did it look like for you trying to fit writing into an already busy life working full time? I think first and foremost, you really have to love whatever it is that you're doing um, as a creative. I think you have to be kind of a little bit obsessed with writing and you have to do it for yourself because truly there is an immense amount of time and effort and work that just goes into it that you know, people don't see when they read or, or see your finished product. But for me, I, I loved it. So I carved out time. And um, once you're really invested in the process, it really becomes, for me, at least it was much more about being consistent with um, my writing schedule and really seeing it to completion. It was much less about inspiration and much, much more about, I did this, I'm going to finish this, I can do it. You know what I mean? Because inspiration is so fleeting. I like to tell people that it really is about 1%, I, I would say, or maybe 5% of what you write. You know, you might have a good idea, but you're not just going to be inspired the entire time that you're working on the project. And um, for me, what really helped was I sat down with my editor, who is also my, my mentor, and um, she has her master's in English, and she teaches college and high school, and she's a genius. And she basically helped me map out my outline and um, I knew that I wanted to have four different parts or components of the book. And I had about 25 chapters, you know, half of which were finished and half of, you know, half were chapters that I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I didn't really know, you know, I hadn't written the chapter completely yet. Mm-hmm. And so she helped me, you know, really figure out this chapter needs to go under this um, section and this one needs to go here. And she kind of helped me just order everything. And um, so the house had a foundation and then I just spent hours and hours, you know, putting the crown molding on, you know, so to speak, and just filling in all of the details. Mm -hmm. I would literally just go to a coffee shop. I'm sure you can relate to this. Spend five hours at a coffee shop typing and frustrating yourself until you get a headache. And the next day I'd go back and do it all over again after work. I think ultimately you just have to love it and just realize that you are creating something that will outlive you. Yes, absolutely. I do- totally agree with that. It is not all inspiration. I also agree with that point as well. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up because mm-hmm. we all have these ideas that we want to do or we feel like God is calling us to do these sort of things. And then when we kind of begin, it could be a little overwhelming. And I think what a lot of people get tripped up is they don't do the follow through. Um, because they're not like inspired. They don't have that spark 100% of the time. And so they take right. it as a sign of, oh, maybe God doesn't want me to do this when that's not really true. And mm-hmm. do you think most people don't follow through with what God's calling them to do because it's too overwhelming so they just don't even start? I think a lot of it, your your point that you um, you really just made was an excellent point. I think that people maybe when that initial inspiration is gone, that initial like calling to, to do something, they're like, okay, I get maybe God changed his mind because I'm not feeling inspired. You know, 
or spirit led necessarily every day to like sit down and do this. But I think, you know, even if we look at, you know, Noah or Joseph in the Bible, those are two people I can think of off the top of my head who, you know, God called them to do something huge. And I mean, Joseph waited 17 years from when he initially had that, you know, that inspiration, that dream that God gave him to see it come to fruition. I I mean, I, I can't imagine that he really felt inspired, you know, sitting in prison and, you know, being wrongfully accused. And I think people don't understand that it's not really just about that one initial inspiration point, but really it's about the journey of, you know, what it is that God has assigned you to do and, you know, allowing God to help you bring it to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And actually on page 33, one of my favorite things you say in Worth It is, God has a track record of choosing really unqualified people. Can you speak into that more for us? Absolutely. Um, I really think that so many of the heroes of the Bible that we, you know, consider heroes of the faith were just ordinary. They were ordinary humans. They weren't people that really had any particular giftings that we would be impressed with. Maybe they weren't perfectly equipped to do what they'd been chosen to do, but God qualified them because he saw the condition of their heart. He saw that Esther was moldable. He saw that Moses had a desire to do right. He saw that Joseph had a unique ability to put his hope in God, despite you know the setbacks that he faced throughout his life. And I think that there's you know great beauty in that. I think that God chooses people who respond well. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, in my previous response, just talking a little bit about Noah and Joseph, um, two of my favorite people in the Bible. And I think their response of doing something, um, something big or doing something that they were unqualified to do is so different than someone like Jonah, you know, who really the only difference between their lives, you know, very similar kind of callings to doing something big for God was their response. You know, Jonah had a terrible response to what God called him to do. And his story is kind of a a tragic, unresolved one because of that. And so I think that, you know, God chooses people who are unqualified and he, he really watches our, our response to that. And if, you know, if you say, you know, God, I believe you can use me, um, you know, despite my insecurities and my issues, I think that God really responds to that. And he, you know, chooses to, to make you and mold you into what he has called you to be. Yeah. I agree with that, especially when I do look at the story of Jonah and when you correlate that to the other, you know, people that you have mentioned Um, in my latest book, The Glitter Effect, I do touch on Jonah and um, we, we look at just how his journey and exactly that is his response. And that's really where it's at. It's what, what is our response going to be when God tells us to do something, even if it's hard and even if we don't even know what it, what it is. You know, what would you say to the person who doesn't feel qualified to pursue the calling God's placed on their life? I guess I would simply remind them that none of us are qualified. We, you know, the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. Perfectionism isn't reality. And I think that God has this unique way of letting his grace cover our shortcomings and and really using us in spite of them. And I think it's, it's important to remember that you are not alone, that there aren't any of us who are worthy to do what it is that God has called us to do. And that's, that's kind of the whole point. You know, that's kind of why God chooses to use people who aren't perfect, people who aren't qualified, because he wants his glory to, to shine through and he wants to, you know, to, to have that glory for himself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Actually, there's a section in the book that I'm really happy you spoke about, and it's it kind of goes along with this, and it's how easy it is for us to become obsessed with maintaining an image on social media, you know, that perfectionism. Um, can you share your thoughts on that more? This is something that even since I wrote this chapter two, three years ago, I've become like more and more obsessed with talking about this because I just think it's such an interesting kind of dynamic that just didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Um, right. mm -hmm. I think that I really wish people realized that social media at its core is a highlight reel. It's a, it is not reality. It is not ever going to be an accurate portrayal of reality. Um, it's simply a projection of our best in whatever that might be. It's, you know, for me, it's a place to inspire and to be inspired. But personally, I take everything with a grain of salt, you know, whatever, whenever someone posts something, I realize that it's simply a snapshot of a singular moment in time. And we have no way, no way of knowing what the context of that moment is, what came before, what will follow that moment. It's just a snapshot, you know, of what someone wants us to perceive. And I feel like there are so many people who, you know, look at social media and they become depressed and they're comparing themselves. And I guess I kind of look at it like this isn't, this is just a place of our best. We can't look at this and measure ourselves against other people's best. You know what I mean? We can't measure our worst at, against their best because they're not showing, you know, their insecurities or, you know, their flaws very often. You know, this is, this is a place where we're showing the best version of ourselves. Yeah. I think we're really obsessed with like maintaining a perfect image um, because we're wired to do that. You know, we're wired to seek approval and validation. My favorite author, I don't know if you've read him or not, but Donald Miller, he's the best. He always says um, that we are looking for affirmation from a jury of our peers is what he, how he terms it. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, that really sums it up. We're obsessed with building and maintaining an image. And I don't think that that's all bad, but I think, um, you know, sometimes I think it's it's good to have people of good character and reputation. It's encouraging for people to be able to see someone they can look up to. But I don't I don't ever want to look perfect or unattainable. You know, as as Christians, I think we need to kind of try to portray an image where we are flawed, we aren't perfect, but we're you know we're striving. Actually, when I was reading Worth It, there were a lot of similar topics between you know my latest book, The Glitter Effect which is all about the power of influence in your book, Worth It. And one of them is the importance of understanding quiet progression and that following what God has for us is a journey, not a microwave ministry, quote unquote. Why do you think we may want to rush the process? I think because the idea of having this instant ministry is ideal. Like people want to start something and see instant results because our culture is a culture of instant gratification. Yeah. Um, I think that's why Dave Ramsey is more popular than ever before because we have, you know, a culture of people who, you know, they, they buy things instantly. It's all about, you know, gratifying ourselves as quickly as possible. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a little daunting. Um, and I think, I think that people want to see, results quickly. I, I really think that's why people rush it. But, you know, I mentioned earlier, look at Joseph from the time that he was called to, you know, the time that the dream came to fruition. I want, I want to say it was like 17 years. Um, 
I watched my parents. My parents uh, planted a church, and they still pastor this amazing church, and God has done amazing things, but I watched them still sacrifice on a level that people don't understand and, and know that so much of their reward is truly going to be in heaven. And I think that sometimes that's hard for people to understand. You know, we want to see results. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I've had to battle that, especially when I was working on my own book and you want to get to the end, you want to be done with it. But then like God's working on you through it and like teaching Mm -hmm. you things through it. And you're like, okay, I'm writing about this, but I also know that means I actually am going to be going through some stuff because there's a lesson like I need to learn from this too. And actually on page 103, you say people are not made. They are molded. Futures are not invented. They are shaped. And I absolutely love that. I love it so much. I wrote it down and it's in my bathroom on my scripture clipboard oh, that I have I'm there so honored. <laughs> because as a parent, it's so, it's, it's so enlightening just to look at it that way and just realize that, you know, they're not like, we're not just going to just appear better someday just because, you know, like there's a process. Right. And do you think that we have believed a lot of false ideas about growth? And if so, how can we overcome that? Um, I think kind of piggybacking about, you know, on the last question, I think that people really don't understand what growth is, that it's not, it's not instant. It's not um, something that just happens, but, you know, people are molded, you know, you don't get someone like Abraham Lincoln. He's not born Abraham Lincoln. You know, Um, my dad has a a poster of every failure that Abraham Lincoln ever, you know, went through every failure that ever happened in his life. And there's like 30 things that are major failures that we would consider like, wow, this, this guy is, you know, he's messed up. He's not going to do anything in his life, but you know, he failed at his marriage. He failed in, in businesses. He failed running for office. He failed, I mean, just over and over again. But who we have today, someone that, you know, our whole, the whole world really respects is because this person was molded, you know, from people, from his experiences. And, you know, you don't just arrive. People are are molded into who they're supposed to be. And um, our futures aren't just, you know, imagined, but every, every life decision that we make, every decision that we make, little ones on a day-to-day basis, you know, those add up and really shape what our future you know, ends up becoming. I always think when I make my, my yearly goals, you know, sometimes you make, I used to make these goals that were just like outlandish. And then you're like at the end of the year and you just feel like such a loser because you don't, you know, you don't accomplish half of what you set out to do. But sometimes I'll revisit my goals. You know, I try to revisit them every couple months throughout the year. And, you know, some of them I'm like, this might not happen, but some I'm like, what am I doing today to shape my future? you know, to shape, to accomplish this goal? Like, what am I doing to, you know, assist in accomplishing that? And I think people don't realize sometimes, I don't realize sometimes that little decisions really do add up and end up, you know, shaping our future and who we are supposed to become. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely something that we have to remind ourselves more of, as you said before, you know, we want instant results and living in this society where it's so all fast pace and you know we have social media so 
Sometimes we have a little FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. And mm-hmm. we feel like we have to do certain things so that we can meet certain requirements that nobody's even set for us. It's kind of ridiculous. But right. if you could summarize the message of worth it for someone listening today who might have low self-worth or a lost identity, what would you tell them? I guess I would tell them that worth it is really kind of a compilation of what I believe God's, you know, God's word says about our worth and our value, um, what it is to him. I think we live in a culture where our self-worth is very much defined by what we look like and, um, you know, what our accomplishments are. And it's kind of a compilation of those things. And, um, I think that, that we have a culture that's very driven by self-love and you need to love yourself more and you need to accept your flaws more. And, and those things are true, but I think that when we do that, when we just try to love ourselves through our mistakes and through our insecurities and our flaws, we kind of discount the love of God because we can't give ourselves, we cannot grant ourselves the love that that God is supposed to give us, that that's, you know, that's his job really. That's what, um, we, we can't replace that. And so I think that the message of worth it is that you can try and do it on your own. You know, you can try to love yourself through it and and that's all good and fine, but ultimately true worth, true purpose, true fulfillment lies in him. And that's, that's really the message um, of worth it. You know, that his grace covers all of our flaws and our insecurities and our shortcomings and our issues and, and, because of that, we are we are worth something to God. Yeah, I love that. And actually, as I was reading the book, I did feel empowered to seek God more, you know, to almost redefine that word worth and how I perceive myself. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, how we really do have to adopt his perspective because it's really the only one that matters. Right. Absolutely. How have you seen God move through releasing this book and hearing the responses that readers have had? Well, I guess all I can say is, wow, um, God is really, he's really blown me away with the response and it's, it's humbling. And um, I've, I've just been blown away, truly. Um, I've gotten cards and letters, emails, and texts and posts and DMs and People from, you know, around the world are reading it. And I, I guess I never really expected that. I don't really know what I expected, to be honest, but I didn't expect that, you know, I'd be getting orders from, you know, the Philippines and uh, Germany and Austria and France and England and little islands that I didn't know were islands. And it, it blows me away um, because God does all things well. And I think the message of, of worth it, I think, is universal. And I think it's something that probably every generation has struggled with. But I think women in this generation seem to have a particularly difficult time, you know, discovering or finding their worth. And I think hearing the feedback and the testimonies I've been sent has been just so encouraging to me. And um, it's really inspired me more than I can, more than I can even, you know, really relay. Um, I think that when I wrote Worth It, um, I was a I was a mess. I was in a really really rough period of my life. I had no I really genuinely had no self-worth. I was very much in like a shattered, broken state and I think that God really allowed me to go through that 
to be able to write this book. And it, it just astounds me. And I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, he allowed me to go through that so that I could, so that I could write this and it blows me away. It really does. He really is so good. And I love that he can take something that is broken and shattered, like our own perceptions yeah. and just kind of spin us around and, you know, and, and face us to the right direction and the right way, you know? Absolutely. That's exactly what he did for me. And I'm super thankful. So what would be three basic things we can do to remind ourselves of our worth in God? I think number one, just remembering that his grace covers your shortcomings. Um, you know, we can't be good on our own. We have to really rely um, on him and know that his grace is going to cover the places that, you know, we're messed up and our, our broken pieces. Um, number two, your struggles and your trials are a part of God's plan. And number three, that your worth doesn't lie in, um, your accomplishments or your physical appearance or what it is that you do or how you act, but your worth lies in him and only in him. And those are, those are just kind of three things that I think are, are good reminders for me um, to remind you know me that my worth is in him. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all those things, um, particularly the last one too, because that is definitely something that is a good reminder every single day that it doesn't matter if we accomplish everything on our to-do lists or even mm-hmm. our goals, even though they could be great things, you know, and we're not right. saying, you know, terrible things. We're saying even if they're good things that you are trying to do to better yourself, it still does not, you know, add up to how much you're worth in him, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Nicole, do you have any advice or encouraging words that you would like to leave with listeners today? Um, I guess advice that I would leave would be whatever it is that you're going through, that you're struggling with right now, just know that um, God is using it to paint your story and he's using it. um, I like to think of, um, you know, my story as like a book, right? If God is the author of, of our lives, that when I'm dealing with something, it's, you know, the rising conflict in the story and that eventually whatever that rising conflict is, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plot and it will be resolved eventually in in the way that the author, you know, intends it to be. And I think that we just sometimes have to realize, you know, what we're going through is meant to make us stronger, make us better. And um, your trials are not in vain. You know, there's something that God is using to get you to be that character at the end of the story who has learned and gleaned so much and then can pour into other people. Yeah, that's really good and really true. I'm so thankful that you shared that because I think it really is going to bless a lot of people when they hear that. So before we go, can you please share where people can buy your book and follow you on social media? So you can buy my book. If you go on my Instagram, um, I have a website link there, or you can just go straight to my website. My website is nmarnold.wixsite.com. And you can um, find previous blogs and shop the book there. Um, And then you can follow me. The only social media I really use anymore is pretty much YouTube and Instagram. Instagram, I'm Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E dot M dot Soto. And then on YouTube, we are the Sotos. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time to share your heart with us here on the podcast. I'm so grateful for you. 
Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to be on here, and I can't wait to check out your book. I'm so excited to read it and kind of learn from you and what you know your thoughts are and take something away from you. So I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thanks, Nicole. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.